Hello, I'm Matthew Kranig of Georgetown University in the Atlantic Council, and I'm here with Dan Blumenthal from the American Enterprise Institute. And we're here today to talk about China, uh, and in particular, Dan's new book, The China Nightmare, The Grand Ambitions of a Decaying State. Uh, so it's great to chat with you, Dan. It's great to chat with you, Matt. So um, the, the grand ambitions of a decaying state, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your book? What's the central argument? The central argument of the book is China undoubtedly has grand ambitions to become the central player in geopolitics. And I explain in the book why it has those ambitions, the history of its statecraft in the, in the modern period, uh, its geography, uh, its restoration of itself and its view to the, be the Middle Kingdom, um, its grand strategy right now in terms of how it will become in its view, the uh, central player in international affairs, from military and technological power to uh, this kind of subversion of democracies that we're seeing uh, to uh, new ge geopolitical fora like the One Belt, One Road initiative. But then it's also, uh, I believe, uh, full of, of beset by weaknesses and vulnerabilities and uh, even some institutional decay inside the uh, Chinese Communist Party in terms of its legitimacy and its, able to, its ability to to handle all the weaknesses it confronts. Well, that's an important argument. And um, I, I've, I love the book. I read it and uh, wrote a review for Foreign Policy magazine. And uh, the uh, Foreign Policy um, review was titled Weak and Dangerous. Uh, China is weak and dangerous. And that uh, got a lot of attention, including of the Chinese propaganda newspaper, The Global Times, uh, which said that that's a, a contradiction. China can't be both weak and dangerous. Uh, so why is the Global Times wrong? Why is China both weak and dangerous? Well, your review certainly got under the skin of uh, China's propaganda organs. It certainly doesn't want to be called weak, and it certainly doesn't want to be called dangerous. But uh, I argue that it's, it's both, precisely because Xi Jinping, the leader of China, is under more pressure right now because the economy is slowing because of his mishandling of, of COVID and because uh, other elites within China view him as overreaching and causing the United States and other countries to squeeze China, he's more dangerous. He's lashing out to, to, uh, uh, to bolster his nationalistic credentials. So in this very year during COVID, he's picked a fight with India. He's picking a fight with Australia. He's ramping up military operations around the Taiwan Strait. So I think that the co combination of, of weak and dangerous is right and combustible. Well, I really like this argument. Uh, I like it for two reasons. One, as you know, I published a book earlier this year on great power competition and democracy versus autocracy and great power competition. And in that book, I argue that uh, autocracies uh, have a lot of these weaknesses. And you point out those weaknesses in China's case. Uh, quite well. Uh, and I also like it because it seems like there are a lot of people in Washington who uh, say, um, you know, China's 10 feet tall and therefore competition needs to be uh, our priority. I think there are others still who say, no, China's got real problems. We can still engage and cooperate with China. But you kind of point out a third, um, a third way that uh, China is um, weak, has these vulnerabilities, 
but it's still dangerous. Um, so if, if that's the case, what should policymakers do about it? Well, uh, thanks. And, and your book is uh, excellent as well. I, I highly recommend it. I would Thank say you. what policymakers can do about it is, uh, uh, as I, it's, not, it's not a book with a lot of policy prescriptions, but it points out the vulnerabilities and uh, what China fears the most. And we ought to be using the leverage of knowing what China fears the most. Uh, and that includes things like being surrounded by U.S. allies that are democrat democratic, having only one coastline, uh, but having a lot of maritime interests. Um, we ought to be doing, uh, as we are doing, but more, more of taking advantage of the leverage we do have. And that also includes much better capabilities to wage uh, information campaigns to create wedges between the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese people, uh, to support human rights, to support um, uh, different kinds of, of groups inside China who are working for a better China. I think that would advantage us geostrategically because China would have to worry more and spend more on its own internal security. Well, this is another thing I liked about the book. Um, I've criticized this great power competition notion because it's, you know, competition doesn't, it's not a strategy. It doesn't tell you what the goals are. And I thought you um, did get to the goals uh, to some degree. You say that really the goal should be to con convince China that this current confrontational approach uh, is just too costly and could even call into question their core goal uh, of regime uh, survival. So I just thought it was a fantastic uh, book. Uh, congratulations. And I, I think we're out of time here, but I uh, look forward to um, seeing seeing what's next from you. Well, thanks, Matt. This was a lot of fun. And uh, thanks again for an excellent interview and excellent review. Thanks very much. <laughs>